my wife and I started our relationship, first of all, through long distance. And it was through letter writing. It was actually before the time of text messages, before cell phones, even before emails were invented. This is in the early 90s when, when Grace and I first got to know each other and began our relationship. And so we would physically write letters to each other. And we would fold the envelope or fold the paper, slide it into the envelope, put a stamp on it, walk to the mail office, drop it in, and send each other letters. And this is how we got to know each other. First, it was kind of just superficial, small, short notes to each other. But as we continued to write to each other, we got into longer and longer letters about more and more important matters, things to do with the world, things to do with our lives, things to do with God, things to do with our faith, and things even to do with our feelings for each other. Words. Even though we were separated by distance, she lived in Burnaby, I lived in Delta. We came to the church, same church, <laughs> together. Remember, this is before FaceTime and Skype. So this is our long-distance relationship between Delta and Burnaby. <laughs> Words have a way of connecting people together, of creating relationship, don't they? And actually, words have a way of breaking relationship, too. And when words are anticipated and expected, silence, the absence of words, has a way, too, of speaking, sometimes just as powerfully as words do. Well, today our focus is on the word, word. In this series that uh, Tim McIntosh kicked off, kicked off for us a couple of weeks ago, Ancient Words Giving Life, we're looking at several words in the Old Testament. Not just words, but really large and rich themes from the Old Testament scriptures that really found time and time again throughout the Old Testament scriptures, but just not in the Old Testament, really carry on into the New Testament that speak on God, that speak on life, that speak on what really God has revealed about himself to us in the scriptures. And that's what we're going through in these eight weeks. And today we're looking at the word, word. Now this word, actually, in the Old Testament uh, can be represented by in the Hebrew, the word amar or davar uh, in the Hebrew. And it means to, to say or to speak, or it can also mean a word or a speech or a thing. But basically, it's all tied into this action or this noun of speaking. And as I was thinking about this this past week, especially in the Hebrew language, it's kind of really baked into the Hebrew language that the noun and the verb form are really very, very closely tied together. That is, the, the state of having spoken and the action of speaking is actually intertwined because really they're the same word or the same two words, but all you have to do is you vowelize them or you vocalize them differently. So in the Hebrew, they're the same root, but depending on how you say it, it can either mean the word of God written or it can mean word of God spoken. Or it can mean written speech, or it can mean spoken speech. And of course, we're not just thinking about the word in terms of communication today. We're thinking about the word of God. 
And it's so prevalent in the Old Testament, this phrase, the word of God, 1,400 times at least in the Old Testament. And that's both davar and amar of God, of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And it's so pervasive. It's everywhere in the Old Testament, as you might think, that as God speaks to us, it is just part and parcel of what the Old Testament is all about. But I want to really focus today on more than just the written word of God. It is that, but it's more than just the written word of God, as has been read out to us this morning and as we prayed and as we think about. It's not just the written word of God in Scripture, but it also is the live word of God, the word which is alive and which is spoken today. And so I want to focus, this is my outline for today, the Word of God, I want to focus on thinking about the Word of God as it's written to us, the Bible. And then secondly, the Word of God as it's spoken to us, that is a live Word, a real-time Word in which He continues to speak to our hearts today. And then I want to end with this question. When? When is it that God speaks to us today? Now, I really do want to focus especially on this speech and this voice of God, especially because if you think about in the ancient world, our Bibles that we have today, our physical Bible or an electronic Bible that we have, for 2,000 years didn't really exist. For the history of the Israelite people, didn't really exist in the form that we have. It was probably compiled around 300 BC, 300 years before the birth of Christ. So for much of the history of the Israelite people, the word of God did not really represent a scripture as in a written form, word of God, but really it represented what? Spoken word, the prophetic word, as God sent his prophets to his people to keep that word, that relationship alive with them. That's really what it represented to them, first of all. But of course, it becomes inscripturated and then by Jesus' time, the word represents both a spoken word as well as a written word. So that's why we're having this dual focus today. Now, if we begin with a written word of God, yeah, we can just go back a little bit. Just uh, this image of the Bible as a written word of God. You might remember that one of the core values I mentioned was the Bible um, in that core values that I had kind of formulated um, personally myself, A, B, C, D, E, you guys remember that? Authenticity, community, discipleship we talked about. And then the Bible as the word of God is one of those, B, right? Now, of course, the Bible forms a fundamental value of, of all Christian churches, especially Bible-believing churches. But I think it's worth thinking about this a little bit more. Just what is the Bible? Especially given our kind of postmodern culture and postmodern context, we think, well, truth is really kind of subjective, right? We think there's a, there's a lot of interpretation involved in truth. There's a lot of subjectivism. There's a lot of my own personal feeling, my own personal experience in terms of this reality that we live in. And so we all have our own individual truth. We all have our own individual narratives about what is real in this world and what, what this experience of the world is about. Now, the Bible doesn't really begin with that, does it? The Bible claims that it is the speech of God. It is the actual written testimony of God. 
And so there are all these instances of, and God said, and the word of the Lord came to this prophet, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Hosea. The word of the Lord came to and it's written down now for us. So it's not just something that is our internal perception and our internal experience, but there is this external objective word of God, a speech of God, which comes to us. And so that's what we believe, that the Bible is actually a written account of what God has spoken to us. And I know that we all believe this as, as, as Christians, as believers, but I just feel that sometimes, given our, our context, that this understanding and this holding of the, the, the Word of God, the Bible as God's Word, as something actually outside of ourselves, as something special and something holy, it has this, this danger, this threat of being eroded at all times, as if we think that the Bible is just another religious document. It is that. It is that. But it is so much more. It is much more than that. I remember um, I studied actually at UBC the sciences, but uh, one of my minors was religious studies. And so I studied the Bible even at uh, university, in my bachelor's, in my undergraduate at the university level. And I remember studying... Uh, different parts of the Bible in my undergraduate. But it wasn't until I stepped into Regent College that I began to really appreciate this difference between studying the Bible as a religious document and then studying the Bible as God's speech to us, as God's revelation to us. I remember first taking Bible classes with uh, Gordon Fee and Bruce Walkie, they were team teaching biblical exegesis together. And I just remember it was so different. I had already studied the Bible from an uh, academic perspective at the university level. But when I stepped into the chapel at Regent College and began to sit under these professors who not just taught about the critical theories about how the Bible was put together, but then really believed that this was God speaking to us. There was a conviction in their words. There was a conviction in their teaching. And therefore, a conviction of my heart as I was seeking to listen to what God was speaking to me through the words of the Bible, through this human document, which actually is not just a human document, but is God's revelation to us. And it was such a difference. And I remember that season of my life, just wanting to learn more and more about the Bible, so that not just as a vehicle, but so that I could understand more of God's word for me, God's spoken word to me. So I feel that's part of what we need to recapture. Sometimes, even as Christians, we may have read the Bible through more than once, many times perhaps, and we become so familiar with it that sometimes we forget that actually this document, this Bible that we hold in our hands, is something really, really different, really special. It's holy. It's other than us. And God is speaking to us. So I just want to begin with that. Are there places in our lives that sometimes we maybe forget that the Bible is really this this other document, this document that's from outside of us. And we just kind of read it in, in a mundane way, in a very familiar way. 
and we kind of just think that they're words. Familiarity, they say, breeds contempt, right? And sometimes we have become so familiar with the words of Scripture that maybe we forget just how special, how holy, how other the Bible is. The written Word of God. Now, I want to also talk about today the spoken Word of God, the speech of God, or the voice of God, which continues to speak to us today. And I want to begin by looking at this verse that we had just read out to us, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Heather read it so wonderfully to us. It's a powerful passage, isn't it? piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, I'm sure you've heard this text quoted to you before about Scripture and about what the Word of God is and the power of God convict our hearts like a sword piercing through our hearts, through our souls, especially as it refers to Scripture. And all of that is true, but... If we read it in the context of Hebrews, the whole context of the whole chapter, this immediate context of the preceding verses and paragraphs, then we begin to understand it in a slightly different text. I want to read 4.11 to you. 4.11, the verse which precedes 4.12 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And then if you read the paragraphs prior to that, from chapter 3, verse 12, you begin to understand more of what is going on in the book of Hebrews. And I'm not going to read the entire passage from 3, chapter 12 onwards. But what it is about is this focus on the rest that God had invited his people into, the shalom, the Sabbath, that he had invited his people, Israel, into. And then the constant disobedience of his people in not trusting God's promise for them. And therefore, they were not able to enter into that rest. And then the author of Hebrews shifts and says, now that rest is in who? Is in Jesus. Is in Jesus Christ. So the focus, this movement, is from the rest of the Old Testament that God had promised his people, now is focusing on Jesus. He becomes the rest that God is inviting us into. Through what? Through faith in Jesus. Through faith in the Son of God, who now becomes our rest. So the point of this, all these citations from the Old Testament, the Word of God from the author Hebrews to the Old Testament is not just to point to the word of God, but it's to to actually help his hearers, his audience to understand that the word of God is pointing somewhere. The word of God is pointing, is moving towards fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of citing scriptures, moving towards 
this fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So it's not just talking about a generic kind of a conviction in which God's word convicts us about discerning our thoughts and our intentions, but the whole point is to discern our thoughts and intentions towards this person, Jesus Christ. That is how God is now convicting people, that this is where truth really lies. This is where you will receive the rest that God had promised his people Israel, and that rest is symbolic of Jesus. And he says now, today if you hear God's voice, if you hear God's voice today, listen, so that you might enter into that rest. Don't be like the Israelites who disobeyed and didn't hear God's voice and therefore were denied that rest. God was moving towards us, towards fulfillment in Christ. That's what this word of God being active and powerful and conviction in our hearts really is pointing towards fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the first point I want to draw from this text, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. But I also want to draw a second point, and that that this rest actually comes with a condition. And that condition is not just their faith in terms of their belief and their assent, but obedience. Your obedience to Jesus Christ. And so do you hear the urgency of the author of Hebrews who says, don't make the same mistakes as the Israelites did who didn't enter into that rest because of their disobedience. He says, if you hear his voice, listen, do not harden your hearts as they did. Don't harden your hearts today as they did. But instead, believe and trust and obey. Obey the Lord Jesus. And faith and obedience really are two sides of the same coin. Faith is expressed in obedience, and if you don't have obedience, actually, that's, that exposes the lack of faith that we have, doesn't it? Right, so it, the word of uh, God says in James, right? Faith and works are two sides of the same coin. But why this, this image of the word of God as being the sword? Why this word of God as being the sword Paul says the same thing as Ephesians chapter 6 about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, it's because God's voice has His ability to cut through um, our pretensions. The Word of God, the active, alive Word of God, has His way of being able to cut through um, our superficial self, self-deceptions and the things of our heart which really are not true, the things which are not really of God. And so the spoken word of God, that is the, the heritage of the New Testament, right? One of the things that the early church experienced was this reawakening of this conviction that God was speaking, not just in the Old Testament, not just in the scriptures, but was continuing to speak to them today. It was powerful, it was alive, and calling people to repent, to return to God, and to turn to Jesus. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, what is it, finally, I want to answer the question, how does God speak to us today? Really, actually, I don't want to answer the question how, but when? When does God speak to us today? And I want to answer, or begin to answer that question with the negative. When is it that God doesn't speak to us? 
Uh, one is it that God is silent. And if we take the biblical testimony as any evidence, there are times when God actually doesn't speak to his people. And I alluded to one passage uh, back uh, a few weeks ago and from 1 Samuel in the time of the judges. You remember it says, at that time, the word of the Lord was very, do you remember? Rare. The word of the Lord was very rare. And the visions of God were infrequent. Now, read this passage from Amos chapter 7, verse 12 as a cross-reference. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. They shall not find it. It is a character of God to speak to his people. And yet there are times the biblical testimony tells us that God simply refrains from speaking to his people. And the pattern that we see in both of these instances is what? The disobedience, right? The disobedience of his people towards him. In the time of the judges, it was saying that uh, every person was doing as they saw fit in their own eyes, no longer really keeping sight of who God was, but just doing what they saw fit and and all the religions of that, of that uh, culture and that time really influenced who they were. During the time of Amos, of course, the time of the prophets, it was, the problem was idolatry. One of the things was rampant idolatry as these physical idols, which the peoples around them worshipped, like Baalim and uh, Ashtaroth, these physical uh, idols that they actually worshipped, whether it was like made of stone or wood or even trees or the sun and the moon and the stars that these other cultures around them began to seep into the culture of the Israelites and they also began to worship. And God knew that it wasn't just the physical artifacts, the physical idols that they were worshiping, but they represented really their hearts. That as the people were worshiping these idols, really they were worshiping other gods and therefore their hearts were given to these other gods, these other religious spiritual expressions of what God was to them in that time. Now we don't have idols anymore today for the most part um, in our culture, in our time. And as I think about this, do we still have idols today in terms of spiritual idols? Probably. Almost certainly. I think probably they come in the form of distractions, right? Maybe that's an easier way to put it. Lots of distractions in this life. Um, Richard Foster wrote a book called Money, Sex, and Power, these things that kind of draw us away from God, some of these fundamental vices. But I don't think it's just limited money, sex, and power, right? What about control? What about status? What about our possessions? What about our leisure time? What about things like our families, even? God-given. What about our work, even? God-given to us. These things are good in the right place. And yet, when they begin to take on more than what they should within our lives, they begin to threaten to take on ultimate value. And we give them more than we ought to. They become distractions. And they can become idols for us in the sense that we start giving our hearts to them rather than giving our hearts to the Lord. 
I think that can be idols. They can be idols for us. Well, when is it that God stops speaking to his people? When they start becoming disobedient to him. So when is it that God begins to speak to his people? If God is silent when we disobey, I believe the opposite is also true. God loves to speak to his people. God's character is to communicate with us constantly. And when we align ourselves with Jesus, this fulfillment of what God has done, when we align our lives with what Jesus wants for us, that is when God is able to speak to us. That is when his affirmation, his love, his presence, his power, all these things that he wants to speak to us, that when we obey what Jesus wants us to do in our lives, that's when he is able to just commune freely with us. Does that make sense? I think that is the biblical testimony, that God, God's voice is alive, God's word is alive, and he wants to speak to us. It's pointing us towards this, this direction, which is Jesus that he has come in the history and he's fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. And now as we align our lives, as we come under obedience of Jesus in our lives, then that's when we can hear his voice. And it's not always, of course, an audible voice. It's not always in, in, in very loud speech or very loud voice says in Elijah or the, in First Kings, that testimony when God spoke to Elijah in that still, small voice. Right? He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. But God came to Elijah in that still, small voice. I think that's what we train ourselves as we listen to him each day, going to him in trust and obedience, looking to his word and scripture, but also remembering that his word speaks to us today. What are the distractions of our lives? In my life, so many that our, our, our culture offers us. Can we try to wean those away, strip them away, and listen to what God is wanting us? How can we submit our lives to Jesus more today? How can we obey him more? Let the things that tug on our hearts, uh, the, the draws, the attractions, can we turn away from them and and come back to the Lord. What is he speaking to us? I want to just uh, lead you in a moment of prayer and um, invite you to reflect. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we give you thanks that you are a God who is active and a God who is personal and one who loves to speak to your people. That is a testimony of scripture. Everywhere you're speaking and creating relationship with your people in covenant, as, as Mike has reminded us last week, creating this relationship with your people. And you do want to speak to us today. And we do confess that, that sometimes we lose faith in your word because of our context and our culture, and we think, you know, does, does God, do you really want to speak to us? And is your faith really alive? I mean, is your word really alive? Is your word really something that will speak to our hearts today? 
And so we want to confess that there are times when we doubt. Maybe there are places in our lives where we don't really want to hear a word from you. And we want to lift those to you as well. And we want to acknowledge in our hearts that we believe that you speak to us, even now, even today. What are the places that are in your lives, in your hearts, where you wrestle with the Lord? Is it something that, maybe a situation that, that you've experienced over and over again, uh, maybe for months or even years? Maybe something that you've given up hope will change in your life. And maybe there's space in your life where you feel, you know, I'm going to kind of do it my way. Not Jesus' way, but my way. Because I don't know if I can trust Jesus. Well, I invite you to lift that again to the Lord God. All things are fulfilled in him, in Jesus Christ. He invites you to, to trust and to align your, yourself with Jesus. Would you lift that to him? Lord, speak to us. Be present to us. Speak your voice of love and affirmation, protection and guidance and blessing over us. It's, it's in his name we pray. Amen.